podcast focused on lessons learned via the musician's backstory, as well as building successful careers in the business. My name is Allison M., and I'll be interviewing artists and industry experts and offering insights based on events Wisconsin Music Ventures has produced. Let's get down to business. On this episode, we are graced with the presence of Kostya Efimov. He is a pianist and composer, a, a very skilled musician, also sometimes known as an evil Russian, and maybe also Santa, <laughs> as he told me <laughs> earlier. Uh, but no, he's, he's a very prolific composer and musician uh, who uh, has somehow managed to end up in our neck of the woods here in Wisconsin. I'm so glad to know you, Kostya. Thanks for being here. Allison, thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Uh, so I would love to just start off by t- um, telling us, I guess, um, you know, I, I've been asking the musicians what you're currently up to, given that we're still kind of in the midst of, of COVID and um, all of the repercussions of COVID. And, and so, I mean, what would you typically be doing and what are you doing now? Uh, that, that's a very good question because I'm doing exactly what I was always doing. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, actually, seriously, COVID obviously hit musicians uh, in the worst kind of way. You know, mm-hmm. obviously, we lost all of a sudden all our gigs or most of our gigs. Uh, but we still, you know, compose music and uh, we still record. We do podcasts. Mm-hmm. We do uh, streaming videos and stuff like that. Uh, well, I'm actually right in the middle of uh, uh, a wonderful project starting today. The recording of Carmen Nickerson's new album. Right, right. So we're going into the studio that this afternoon, and uh, great Willie Porter is producing it. So I'm certainly looking forward to that. Awesome. Uh, great group of musicians. Johnny Clarko is playing drums, and uh, Johnny Wheeler is playing bass. Mm-hmm. Willie is playing guitar. You know, mm-hmm. myself. You know, I'm playing keyboards, obviously. Uh, so that's that's a great project. We're all looking forward mm-hmm. to it. Um, I'm also doing some other very interesting things. You know, there's a company called Umber. Uh, they produce uh, devices for relaxation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they invited me to compose some soundtracks for their podcasts and stuff okay. like that. Wow. So I will be doing that. Got my probably not first commission, but, you know, a first major big commission for uh, a piece of music. Somebody invited me uh, to compose or commissioned me to compose uh, a three-piece instrumental, uh, three movements instrumental piece. So that's very exciting, very interesting. Good. So Good. I'm working on that and uh, Great. Uh, cleaning my house. You know, that's <laughs> Keeping busy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, the work hasn't stopped completely for you, as, as no, you know. That's no, good. no, I'm absolutely really not. And I also, as you know, I, I play at the church every oh, Sunday, right. so that's a lot of fun. And Easter is coming, right. obviously, so that's yes. a Fox River Congregational Church here in Pewaukee. Yeah. Uh, so that's a lot of fun. And same group of musicians, by the way, Carlin is there, and John okay. Clarko and John Wheeler. Great. Oh, I didn't realize that they were all. Oh yeah, oh, absolutely. Too. Okay. Yeah. Great. That's really good to know. And. Uh, so, and then actually I'm curious because I personally do a little bit of uh, church playing for a congregation locally. Um, how have they changed and adjusted during the pandemic? Uh, have they have they continued to do live uh, services or what have they done? For a long time, there was absolutely no live services. Sure. It was all recorded pre-recorded and and put online that's what we were doing by the way yesterday we we had probably one of the first official open church mm-hmm. uh, services and uh, uh it's just starting to open up mm-hmm. but still masks are required right, obviously right. they're all limitations associated with covid um but uh that was weird, mm-hmm. you know. And at a certain point, when we opened up, you know, there were only like 20 people would come and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But yesterday was actually a full house, if mm-hmm. you will. Yeah, that's yeah. fantastic. I'm, I'm so glad that everything is kind of coming back to semi-normal. But yeah. 
but not exactly normal. Right, right. Well, there are parts of country where people just didn't notice pandemic, apparently. I play up north once in a while with, with uh, right. Mike Prusinski, and uh, you just go there, and I'm the only one who is wearing masks. Right, right. <laughs> I know, it's been so different everywhere. Oh, absolutely. So I'm asking, well, how are you guys dealing with pandemic in there? What pandemic? <laughs> I know it's been all over the board, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It, it does seem as though we're getting getting closer to the end here. So thankfully, I hope so. And with with vaccination and yes, stuff, yeah, it's coming we'll, around. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's go back and talk about. So you are you are from Russia originally. Yes. Uh, so uh, tell us, I mean, about your background, about your schooling, and uh, and how you ended up here. Oh, that's a fascinating story, actually. Well, yes, I was born in St. Petersburg, uh, Russia. I always say not Florida, so <laughs> just to make sure. Um, yeah, uh, it was a long time ago. And uh, when I moved to the United States, I was 31. Okay. Um, what Saint were you doing before that? I was doing exactly what I'm doing now. <laughs> well, I, Russia, I went to yeah. school, obviously. I started playing piano. I was four years old. Actually, interesting thing. I remember when my piano, and it was 1937, uh, Volkenhauer, a German piano, mm -hmm. was actually uh, er arrived to my house. I remember this truck, you know, all of a sudden it opens up and here's piano right in the middle of this truck. Mm -hmm. I was four years old, but mm -hmm. I still remember it. Um, I fell in love with the piano and uh, just kind of started on my own. I had a private teacher, but uh, by the time when I was five, yeah, it was a prep school for music because uh, I really wanted to go to this particular school. And it was my decision, by the way, mm -hmm. or at least my wish. Um, it's a Juilliard-like kind of school mm -hmm. in St. Petersburg, mm -hmm. very prestigious and, and very difficult to get into. Um, so I, I was lucky enough to be accepted, mm -hmm. and I studied there for 11 years. Wow. And uh, when I was done with that, you know, I went for my, for graduate school, I went to conservatory, mm -hmm. St. Petersburg Conservatory. And in uh, 1982, I graduated as a, a concert pianist. Mm -hmm. It's all classical music, obviously, that's what I was doing. And I love classical. Nowadays, I, that's most of what I listen to is actually classical mm -hmm. music. Um, but by the time when I was 12, I discovered jazz, mm -hmm. and uh, that certainly changed my life forever. And I started kind of figuring things uh, on my own, figuring things out. And um, and since then, you know, that branched out to something else. And mm -hmm. my interests uh, in the world of music are very vast. Mm -hmm. uh, and coming to the United States, by the way, was very interesting. Uh, experience because um, uh, it's it's like discovering America. I always kind of joke about that. You know, I came to America and discovered America, <laughs> but uh, through discovering America, in many ways, I discovered the world because you know it's obviously melting pot, and you meet all different kinds of people, and you hear uh, all different kinds of music. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm still in total awe. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, moving to the United States was an interesting uh, story behind it. Uh, I never planned on immigrating actually to the United States, but um, um, a, a friend of mine approached me once. I was right in the middle of doing some orchestration for a musical. And he called me and said, hey, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. I said, well, I'm, I'm doing this orchestration for this absolutely horrific piece of music. <laughs> I said, well, do you want to take a break? <laughs> I'm easily distracted. So I said, okay, let, let's have a break. What, what do you want to do? Uh, are we going for coffee somewhere or something? He said, well, a friend of mine coming from America, you know, I just need to pick him up from the airport. You know, Do you want to join me? I said, oh, yeah, absolutely. So we went and picked this guy, you know, who I, I didn't know. His name is actually Joel Pfeiffer, and he's an art teacher from Heartland, Wisconsin. Huh. And he had um, this project, he actually, that was his idea, he came up with that, called uh, Clay Stump. Okay. Uh, huh. Idea is very simple, you know, you just put a bunch of people from different parts of the world together and give them clay and water, and so dry clay, obviously, and water, and let them mix it. Mm 
Okay. And then when when they mix it, let them create a mural, whatever they want. Hmm. It's a it's a wonderful idea. So anyhow, we we went to my friend's house and um, we had dinner. And uh, I didn't speak any English, by the way. So. Hmm. Uh, um, after a bottle of vodka, you know, <laughs> nobody needs a translator, obviously. But I'm joking, obviously. But uh, uh, somehow we managed to make, communicate my friend, actually, uh, knew English very well. And um, Joel asked me if I would be interested to participate. And I'm like, hey, dude, I'm a musician. I, I, I don't know first thing about art, right. you know, or clay or, you know, mural. Yeah. And I said, well... Just think, what, what can you do? How can you help? And, you know, being a musician, a studio musician, I knew a lot of people in, in the media, you know, journalists and sound engineers and, and always was at the studios and movie studios. I said, well, I know a couple people, you know, in the, in the media, so we can talk to them. Maybe I can ask them to write a story or sure. something like that. I said, well, that's it. Perfect. Yeah, perfect, exactly. So I kind of I was doing that for the project, and uh, at the end he said, "Okay, well, um, come to America." <laughs> I said, "Okay, well, good luck. You know, I don't know if I can do that." And well, the Soviet Union, you know, visas and, and sure. all these things. Um, somehow I ended up arranging transportation of this mural to to Milwaukee because basically it's an exchange. Okay. American mural arrived to St. Petersburg in July 1989. And Russian mural was delivered over here in October, huh. and it was on display in, in Milwaukee Art Museum. Huh. But uh, again, to make a very long story short, you know, I ended up uh, on a board of Russian freighter ship, which was delivering this mural. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I was one of six people who were accompanying it over here on the ship. So I, I actually immigrated to the United States in an old-fashioned way, you know, across the, the ocean. Yeah, wow. <laughs> With, a, with with art in tow. With yeah. art, exactly. Yeah, that's and, uh, and then I was asked to perform during the unveiling. Oh, wow. And when I played uh, during unveiling of this mural in Milwaukee Art Museum, there were people from Norada Records present okay. because Norada sponsored this project. Uh, they liked my playing, and next day they called the guy I was staying with, uh, a journalist, Milwaukee journalist, uh, Jim Olschmidt, uh, a wonderful guitar player, by the way, as well. Uh, finger-picking style sure. just just wonderful so anyhow they called and said well we would like to sign a contract with this russian dude who is staying with <laughs> you uh, well i said okay where was my pen you know i was yeah <laughs> so no no you need a lawyer <laughs> i'm like a lawyer why would i need a lawyer well i was fresh of the boat you sure. know and obviously very naive in many ways but um ended up over here you know i uh, you know, signing, I signed my uh, my contract, and uh, after that I was staying in Chicago for a while. I got married in Chicago, and uh, but wor was working over here all the time. Narada was actually asking me to do a lot of um, recordings and uh, orchestrations for them. Sure. And what were what were those used for? Well, it, it's all about recording music, obviously, and about albums. So I started doing some songs for compilations. Uh, one of the first projects I ever worked uh, for Narada was um, Narada Nutcracker, hmm. which was very well received, and that was my first album. I was told that it was nominated for, for Grammy. Hmm. I'm not 100% sure, but I think that's what... <laughs> that's what they say. ...could have happened, yeah. you know, yeah. And I was doing a lot of things, and um, by 1994, I, I composed my first uh, uh, solo piano album, uh, Sweet St. Petersburg, and also it was very well received, and uh, yeah. I still receive fun mail from wow. uh, fans. Fans are actually yeah, that's writing me about that, and uh, I'm, I have to say that that's the best compliment musician can have right. when, when someone writes. I just received uh, a text from a person from Melbourne, Australia, and she said that that's, that's her favorite album. And she was so sweet to tell me that when I told my daughter, see when I will 
will be on my when I will be taking my last breath. I w I would like this piece of music to be played. Yeah, which has brought me to tears, obviously. You know. Yeah, oh, very sweet. And at a certain point, you ended up performing with different bands in the area. So how did you go from being a classically trained pianist to performing with like rock bands? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I always, as I told you, you know, yeah. I, I discovered jazz and then rock, fusion, and uh, I played it in Russia and uh, was working a lot with, with different, I don't want to say, well, fusion bands probably, and especially in the studio environment, uh, in movie studios doing soundtracks and uh, radio, radio podcasts and stuff like that. Um, well, they were not called podcasts right. back then. <laughs> Radio shows. <laughs> shows, yeah. yeah, exactly. So I was familiar with the genre, and I, I loved doing that. Well, actually, um, when I just arrived, about two weeks after I arrived, or maybe a week, I was invited to uh, uh, Peter Buffett's house for uh, a party. I, I don't remember what was the occasion, <laughs> but, you know. And... Um, Somebody said, oh, you, you are this Russian musician. Listen, we, we have this uh, wonderful musician over here. I want, I want you to introduce, uh, I want introduce him to you or you to him. Um, and it was Daryl Sturmer uh, from Genesis and, yeah. and Phil Collins band. Uh, and uh, I didn't speak any English, so mm -hmm. I told Daryl, I love Genesis. <laughs> <laughs> Daryl always tells this story. Yeah. During our shows, <laughs> and uh, shortly after, you know, I don't know, maybe six months after that, um, uh, our good friend, you know, one of my best friends, Mike Hensey, uh, was doing uh, a project uh, of his own music in his studio in the 411 building in downtown Milwaukee, and he invited me to play keyboards, and he uh, invited Daryl to uh, produce these three or four songs. I think we did. And that's when I started uh, playing with Daryl, and, and Daryl asked me, well, do you want to join my band? Wow. So I started playing in Daryl's band, and be before you know it, Mike Hensey decided to have his band, which is called The Bystanders, and I started playing with The Bystanders, and it all kind of branched out. Wow. I started playing with other people, and um, it's fun. It's yeah. just so much fun. I have, I have to tell you. Um, I'm my happiest when I play. Yeah. That's my happy, happy place. Yes. When I don't play, Daryl told me once a long time ago, he said, you know what? Playing is so much better than not playing. <laughs> Under any circumstances. Yes. yes. So, yeah I, yeah, I miss playing. That's why COVID situation was kind of hard emotionally for me because all of a sudden you, you stopped playing. Yeah. Yeah, I never stopped composing, you know, obviously. Right. And uh, rehearsing, and I play at the church. Mm -hmm. But like going places and playing, you know, with Carmen, we with Carmen Nickerson, um, we play all the time. Yeah, and being around people. Yeah, know. and being around people, and I'm kind of I don't want to say social butterfly, <laughs> though some people probably may consider me that. But um, I just love people. Yeah. Uh, and I always, I always loved people, and I love talking to them and hearing the stories and. And being associated and it's, it's an emotional connection yeah, you know. absolutely. To, to, to be deprived of that is kind of strange yeah. I mean I have my books I love reading books yes yeah you're very well read I have 2700 books in my house oh my goodness. It's, it's ridiculous have absolutely. you read them all no but you know most of them I yeah. did yeah. but it's it's ridiculous what are some of the types of genres that you're reading? All of them. All of them. <laughs> Just like the music you play. You yeah, play anything. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. It's good to be open-minded like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to ask you also, like, your music, some of your compositions have been used in some really um, high-profile places. So, uh, and I'll let you do the talking. I won't say, uh, you know, for you. But where has, have some of, has your music appeared? Well... Obviously, a lot. It's instrumental music, yes. so there's no no lyrics to it. And um, when I was with Narada, a lot of this music, uh, including mine, appeared in some uh, documentaries, like Forever Wild, for example. Um, 
and uh, one of my songs actually appeared in uh, Sex in the City. Mm-hmm. I never will forget, Daryl called me and said, hey, I just watched Sex in the City and uh, your song wasn't it. <laughs> I said, you're watching this kind of shows, yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. No, yeah. no, obviously, I didn't say that. But, uh, yeah, he said, that was your song. I said, well, that's impossible, you know. He said, well, swear to God, I know your stuff. That was your song. <laughs> so I went online, and sure enough, that was my song. Uh, I still haven't seen the episode. I have no idea what it's about. But you know what? I have all the DVDs. I'll, I'll get oh, you them do? To you. Oh, yeah. Then... Uh, we'll have a viewing party or something. Okay. <laughs> I haven't seen even one episode of, oh of this show. I've heard obviously so much about it, but um, I'm gonna I'm gonna make you watch that close. Oh, okay, <laughs> sounds good. <laughs> I think you've told Party me time. it's a wedding scene, right? Wedding scene. Yeah. It's a wedding scene. And there there were a couple weddings in that show. Okay, but, well, but I I'm, I'll I'll find it. I I, th- I think I know the one. So yeah. yeah yeah yeah. Okay. So that that's so that was know. one example. Oh yeah. yeah. Then I did some some soundtracks for Russian movies and. Uh, uh, actually, one song of mine, the only song of mine, which I sang myself, ended up in a city called uh, "The Play in a Modern Style," huh. which is which was directed by my brother. Oh wow! Uh, and uh, yeah, that's so some some exposure this way, obviously, in Russian movies. And my brother is a movie director, wow. and, and uh, he's a dubbing director uh, for he's dubbing foreign movies for Russian market. Okay. Because Russians are not really keen on, on uh, reading subtitles and stuff like uh-huh. that. So, uh-huh. anyhow, that's um, there are some other things. Like for example, um, some of my music was uh, used not even once uh, during Olympics. Yeah, right. 1992, David Arkenstone, one my wonderful friend, uh, David Arkenstone, very talented musician, by the way. Um, now we recorded an album called uh, Spirit of Olympia. Okay. And it was officially sponsored by Olympic Committee of the United States and huh. and then used during Olympics, 1992 Olympics. Wow. I think it was in Barcelona, if I'm not mistaken. And um, so that was a lot of fun working on this uh, project. Uh, but since then, uh, some high-profile, very famous, uh, Michelle Kwan, for example, and her sister, who is also a figure skater, skater they used some of my songs for for their for their own programs yeah. for their own programs yeah yeah so what is that like when you find out things like that i mean how do you find it, that out uh usually by accident like <laughs> daryl called me <laughs> daryl Sturmer calling you <laughs> yeah exactly hey yeah. you know i just heard your song yeah. um usually by accident as yeah. i said you know i just i was doing something on the internet all of a sudden i saw michelle kwan is he's using my music for for her routine yeah, yeah. I, so, I had no idea yeah. I mean, with things like that you know since narada was my publishing house um we have an agreement so whichever actually it's called nara music i believe uh if song is registered registered with them and uh, so they can make decisions on my right, right. behalf and they don't have to notify me right and since narada is not even in business anymore oh, sure. uh, yeah they went out of business i think in year 2000 or something like okay. that so i just find it by yeah by, by totally accident yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah and and you were talking about some of your other projects currently uh, what is uh, what is uh, what is one of your favorite projects that you've ever done? That's a very unfair question. I know. Yeah, that's. There's been so many. It's just like with kids. Which one you would yeah. prefer? You know? <laughs> uh, usually, the current one I'm working on is my favorite. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> or do you have? Maybe I should put it this way. What has been the most unusual project you've ever done? Unusual project. Does anything stand out? Um, I don't know about unusual. Every every project is special in yeah. many ways. I have to tell you that um, a couple of years ago, I released my first Christmas album. Okay. And that was just absolutely most exciting. I recorded it at Tanner uh, oh, with John yeah. Tanner and uh, um, Bob Monagle, yeah. Tanner Monagle Studios. And Rick Probst was a sound engineer, and they have a wonderful Steinway B piano. 
which I recorded the entire album on. And that was most fascinating. And, and again, it, it just came out of absolute blue. A friend of mine, who is the member of uh, Fox River Congregational Church, um, he just uh, called me and said, Kostya, I, I have some idea. Can we just meet and talk? And he said, well, when we met, if you would record an album, which now, what album would you like to record? And I, I didn't even hesitate for a second. I said, Christmas album, mm. because I love Christmas music. You know, I was always deprived of Christmas music. We didn't have Christmas music in Russia. Really? Yeah, because it was an atheistic country oh, and, and religion was not you right. know, or frowned upon. So when I came to the United States, all these Christmas songs, which you guys yeah. obviously grew up with, they were totally new to me. And I'm like, oh my God, that's just absolutely most amazing. Yeah. Because they were totally fresh to me. They didn't have any cult cultural, I even didn't know that they're Christmas songs. Right. Since I didn't speak any English, I obviously I couldn't understand any, any lyrics. But uh, Christmas 1989, all of a sudden you heard all these songs. Yeah. That's how I discovered it. Huh. So, and I love them by the way. There was only one song which I recognized, and I was actually amazed how slow it sounded. It was Carol of the Bells. Oh, sure. Because it's actually Ukrainian Carol. Right, right. Uh, Ukrainian Carol composed by uh, Mikola Leontovich, Ukrainian composer. Um, but it became, it's known as Shedrik. It's, it's about little bird, which brings spring, actually. Oh. It's not about Christmas at all. <laughs> like bounties of of, of uh, spring uh, so it's a it's a song about swift you uh -huh. know little little bird uh which arrives during uh springtime yeah but somebody else composed uh lyrics uh, to it associated with christmas and it became carol of the bells yeah. so I, I knew this song very well <laughs> but the song is much faster actually uh, russian version of it, ukrainian original version of it is much faster than than it is sung over here. So anyhow, I, that's how I discovered Christmas, yeah, Christmas music. And uh, uh, my friend's name is uh, Ted Klum. And he said, well, I would like to uh, sponsor this project. I would just back it up for you, you know, do yeah. you do whatever you want to do. So that's how I, oh, I recorded my, oh, it, it's absolutely incredible. And um, it was a wonderful, uh, very inspirational kind of thing for me. Uh, I'm very proud of this album, and um, well, as of now, that's my favorite album. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's beautiful. I remember listening to some of it oh, this oh, past Christmas. Oh, thank I you. Yeah, it. and it, it, it was a challenge actually for me as well because you you do something like that, you you can just record it exact way people do that mm -hmm. or slightly different. I, I try to do, try to take a different kind of approach. I actually composed mm -hmm. uh, compositions based on particular Christmas melodies. Mm -hmm. So they may seem kind of strange at the beginning when you will start listening to it. But the most important thing is not just to quote the melody, but to reveal the spirit behind mm -hmm. it. Um, and. Um, you know, nice. I, I did that, and I, I loved doing it. And I immediately I told Ted, Ted, I'm, I'm ready to do another one, like uh, another Christmas album. Yeah. Well, we will see about yeah. that. But uh, there are so many different things I want to do. Yeah. I, you know, you, you reminded me, uh, thank you for reminding me about the Russia's, uh, Russia's view on uh, religion and everything. That, but I was just thinking, you know, from my own classical music playing, uh, who is the composer of the Russian Christmas music? Uh, there isn't there like a famous set of music that Ch Tchaikovsky? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Are you talking well, about no, Nutcracker? No, not, not the Nutcracker, but there's uh, another famous set of music that's just called. Uh, I think it's just called like Russian Christmas music or something. I'll have to look it up and, and let you know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Tchaikovsky, interesting thing about Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker, when he was composing Nutcracker, yeah. he thought it's just totally lame kind of thing. Yeah, really? <laughs> yeah. Huh. He, he, obviously, he thought it's like a side project. Huh. Even in his letters, he was saying, well, it's like it's kids' music, and little did he know that it's going to be one of his absolute masterpieces. Wow. 
you know, known by everyone right, in the world right. pretty much. But that just tells you that you have no idea what you are doing. You just keep doing whatever you are doing. And, yeah. and maybe it's going to make a difference in someone else's right. life. You know? wow. Maybe not. Yeah. But mm. it's out of our control, and our duty is just to continue doing it. Yeah. Not yeah. To, to get discouraged. and Because uh, a lot of people get discouraged. Like, mm. I'm not good enough. You know, I'm, I'm doing my things, and uh, no one needs it. Mm. Well, it doesn't matter if someone needs it or not. You need it. You need mm. to do that. And mm. Yeah, and that actually kind of leads into a question I was going to ask. And that is... Um, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've come across uh, as a musician, as a, as a full-time working musician along the way? Every day is a challenge. You know? <laughs> in uh, what ways? It's actually true in many, many, many different ways. And musicians uh, are challenged uh, every day because, you know, our lives are kind of strange, mm -hmm. I would say. I yes. go to bed at 5 o'clock in the morning and, you know, often... Mm -hmm. We're sending an email to someone and people are like, what are you doing? You know, are you up all of a sudden? <laughs> well, I, I didn't go to bed yet. Um, but that's me, you know, right. obviously I'm, I'm very unusual kind of this way. But there are different sets of challenges and, and schedules is one of them. It's hard yeah. to, you know, like for example, having relationships that would be very difficult if if you're gigging at night and you're coming back home at two right. o'clock in the morning. In my marriage, that certainly was the challenge. Right. Um, so it's difficult from this standpoint. It's also difficult because making a living is is very different from, you know, any other profession. Mm -hmm. You're at the mercy of uh, uh, someone else, obviously. And uh, sometimes quality of what you do doesn't make any difference mm -hmm. when it comes to your income, for example. And a lot of young musicians, uh, uh, they're facing exact same challenges as people, you know, of my age. Mm -hmm. uh, like COVID, for example, there is no work. So what, what mm -hmm. can you do? What do you do? Mm -hmm. You have to pay your mortgage if you have a house. And so there's everyday challenges like that. But most important challenge is to actually find, if you will, a happy place where you can, because it's not like in, in some other professions, okay, if it's eight o'clock in the morning, I start composing. Mm -hmm. it, it's not like that. Mm -hmm. it, it's never like that. Well, you compose music, you play, I you know, it, yeah, yeah, so it's, it's different. When I compose music, I, the best way I can describe it is like being pregnant. I mean, I have no idea <laughs> what it, it exactly means, but uh, physically, but that's what I would imagine. You know, you feel kind of uneasy and anxious and, and mm -hmm. irritable and you have no idea what to do and where to sit or where to stand. And, and you're just pacing around mm -hmm. this piano and having tea and then playing a couple notes and then you're coming back to it. And, and then you think, I never will compose anything good anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm -hmm. A lot of insecurities and a lot of fears and challenges. Mm -hmm. um, but at the end, something great will come out of it or won't. If it won't come, like for example, Tchaikovsky was always saying, 90% of what I write goes right into the garbage can. Mm -hmm. So there's a, you, you spend time, but you have to find this time. Mm -hmm. If you have a day job, for example, that's extremely challenging because you're you're coming back home and you're already exhausted and right. and uh, if if you have a family there are family obligations and it, it's extremely difficult and I think that's the being a musician is a is no picnic by any <laughs> means a lot of people think oh it's like it's very glamorous you're on the stage you're performing that's just a facade right. of our lives. Uh, it's actually, and it's a lot more evolved. I, uh, I would never change it or, or switch to something else. I mean, you know me, you know, I have so many different interests. Yes, yeah. But music always wins mm -hmm. over everything. Uh, when I was a kid, I really wanted to be a musician, but I really want to be a geographer as well. And, uh, you know, at a certain point, okay, geographer. How about botany? I love plants, mm -hmm. by the way. So even today, you know, my friends just, you know, they always laugh because I just walk in the woods and I pick up some berries and, mm -hmm. and I eat. I went to domes, you know, domes yes. on 27th Street. And there is a tree. Mm 
Uh, it's called loquat. Mm-hmm. It's a tropical tree, mm-hmm. and there's some berries on it. And I started eating them, and <laughs> this person who works at the domes, and he's like, well, do you have a health insurance? <laughs> That's well, funny. Yeah, and I said, well, okay, I'm sorry, I'm eating this thing. Is it okay for me to eat? said, if you know what it is, you know, go ahead, you know. <laughs> They're actually delicious. Aw, Yeah, it's called loquat. Yeah. So anyhow, but so the reason why I'm even bringing this up, because I have a lot of different interests in my life. I that's love, good, that's healthy. Yeah. yeah, I think it's healthy. But at the end, music always wins. And, and at the end, I think everything kind of... Everything I do outside of music still flows into the river of music, and it and it participates in what I do, and it enhances it, and um, somehow it makes it my world uh, much richer. I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very well said. Uh, what is maybe the biggest lesson that you've learned along the way throughout your career? I won't be original, I think, in, in what I'm going to say. But um, lesson. Well, there are several. Uh, first of all, never give up. Mm-hmm. It's not very original, but it's very true. Never give up. If you feel strongly about something, you just keep going. Mm-hmm. Uh, if people will tell you, you're wasting your time, it's it's never going to happen, or you... You will never amount to anything, and a lot of people think this way. Mm-hmm. Van Gogh, um, shortly before he died, he thought he never will amount to anything. He never amounted to anything, and that was one of the reasons he ended up killing himself, mm-hmm. uh, which was a mistake, obviously. But uh, regardless of that, you, you shouldn't ever doubt your abilities. You shouldn't ever doubt your worth. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't ever listen to any opinions (laughs) about your music about your art so you just plow through you do what you do and uh, be honest with with yourself and I think that's the most most important thing that's a first lesson Mm -hmm. and second lesson is more kind of philosophical if you will Uh, again not original at all but love wins over everything. In, in, in most broad sense of this word, uh, you really have to love the wor- world, if you want people, I love people, as you know. Um, I think it's important to re- always remember that world is just the most beautiful place. In a dark place, sometimes we end up at ourselves is in our head. We end up there. It doesn't mean that that you know world is doom and gloom. And we have to notice. We have to give ourselves permission to to enjoy it and let this beauty into your heart. I know. Sound. I, I sound like I'm preaching, but I, I'm not. You know. I always have my phone on me, and I take pictures everywhere I go. Because it's so beautiful. Aww. And people, you know, sometimes you just see someone who is going through rough times and you start talking to this person and all of a sudden you see that behind this facade of irritation and anger and, and angst and anxiety, there's something beautiful and tender. And That's another lesson. Mm-hmm. But always look for beauty. Don't look for something bad and look for beauty. And the I always feel this connection with the world, with people. It never leaves me. And I think it's important to to feed it, mm-hmm. you know? Just like in this Native American a legend, which everyone knows, you know, two, so the battle, battleground between two wolves, bad and good, mm-hmm. which, which one wins? The one you feed mm-hmm. yes, wins. Yeah. <laughs> Very well said. Yeah, I love this. Um, what, have you had a, a favorite gig that you've played? Favorite event? Almost every gig, another unfair question. I know, I know. Um, almost every gig I play is, yes. is my favorite yeah. because I play it with my 
great friends, great musicians. I usually play with wonderful musicians, and it's always such a pleasure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even if no one is listening. I remember playing a gig with Daryl Sturmer at Potawatomi, grand opening. Yeah. A long time ago. Wow. Uh, yeah, they, they opened like a, an extension of it, okay. you know, a long time ago. And there were tons of people, thousands of people, and it was a big, big tent. And after, you know, it was done and with flags, you know, they started going to some other places. So, it, and we were scheduled to play right uh, at the tail of it, and tail of it. And I remember playing with Daryl and it, it's so great, you know, we feel great. There's beautiful monitors on the left yeah. and the right. Uh, L acoustic monitors, and uh, we just played so well, a, a song, and then I, after we were done, I hear this hum, like zzzz, I'm like, what the hell? And I'm looking at the, thinking, did I just blow up the speakers, you know? <laughs> and all of a sudden we realize that there is a guy vacuuming in between rows. <laughs> <laughs> because no one was there, everyone left. Aww. But that was a wonderful gig we had <laughs> with Daryl because yeah. it sounded great. We played very well, and and you were just on a roll. You absolutely, and it was no. Uh, there were two people sitting in the first row, and uh, and they were Daryl's friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know this vacuuming thing, I will never forget it. That's you know, funny. It's like, oh. <laughs> and it's nice to know that that happens even to you. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Oh, I never will forget I played some gig. You know, sometimes you play in a restaurant. Yeah. And, uh -huh. and I play, I was um, I was playing something. All of a sudden, this older lady, very grumpy, you know, just walks by me and says, could you play something else? Yeah. <laughs> people uh, are people. They will say oh, what's Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. That's funny. You know, my, my favorite, obviously, you know, can you turn it down? You know, well, right. Yeah. Well, everyone knows this one. Yeah get that all the time well it is it is actually very refreshing to hear that you know other people and people at your level are even getting these oh, same things oh, so exact same thing exactly. I, i'm really glad that you're sharing this <laughs> <laughs> even though you've had your music played at the olympics and you know yeah. and, and and you know internationally well-known um you know uh, television series, you're still getting asked to turn it down. Oh, yeah. well, absolutely. <laughs> oh, with Daryl, you know, Daryl played in their concert with Genesis in uh, when in Rome. You remember this yes, this yeah. project? The last concert they played in Rome, actually, there were five hundred thousand people. Wow! And here's playing Potawatomi, and there are two people sitting. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, the things that we do. Yeah. But Daryl told me interesting thing. He said. Yeah. Whether it's two people sitting over here or 5,000 over there, I play exact same way. Mm -hmm. I give my 100 percent to it. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's how right. we're supposed to be. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't matter where you play, how much you are getting paid, you always have to give your 100 yeah. percent to every note. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. And uh, that may be um, something you might have said here, but I was going to ask you if you had any advice for um, up-and-coming musicians right now, what what kind of things would you tell them? Okay, few things. Yeah. One of them I already said. Yes. Yeah. Never give up. Yes. Don't listen to anyone's opinion about you. Just be honest with yourself. Yes. You know, yeah. we all know we suck. <laughs> we we not. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, but we have to you know practice. That's another one. Practice. How you get to Carnegie Hall? Yes. Practice. Yes. You know. Yeah. And um, practicing may not, um, th that's the kind of thing to remember. Practicing may not ensure your financial success. And uh, maybe you will never have your chance. Mm -hmm. But when chance, chance will come, you better be ready. Right. And, and that's, that's ready. why you practice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Good point. Very good point. Yeah. I had to practice. You know how, how many hours I had to practice when I was little? How many? Okay. From the time I was seven years old until I was 18, I had to practice four hours every day after school. Wow. Four hours. When I was in conservatory, that increased to six hours. Wow. Every day. Wow. After school. That's incredible. So you do your homework, you're at school for six hours, and then you practice. That's why... 
you know, dating in conservatory was so funny. We have 10 <laughs> minutes. <Yeah. laughs> that was the extent of dating. <laughs> right, right. Wow. That is wild. But it's but it is uh, you are it's not uncommon at the same time it's, it's oh absolutely you know, it's totally normal right. everyone is in the same boat you yep. just have to do any it. musician at that level yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's what you do if I wouldn't practice for four or five hours every day I would be out I would never be able to keep up right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, did you ever have a particular venue that you've really enjoyed playing at over any any other place okay I. That's kind of unusual, but I love playing uh, in houses. Oh yeah, yeah. like house concerts. Yeah, for the first time I saw you. It was yes, that's right. A house at, yeah. yeah, at Steve Smith's, yes, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So I really love doing that, and I love playing in museums. Oh. I love art. Yes. Art is really inspiring for me, and it has this wonderful energy. So I love to be surrounded by art. I paint myself. I'm horrible, but, you know, <laughs> I, I love doing it. Yeah. Uh, so playing museums also wonderful. I like smaller crowds because then we can converse and talk uh, and, and um, yeah. Play around a little bit more. Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's much more intimate because it's not just about, you know, oh, here's the that's artist on the stage and he's glamorous and we're just here. We're not worthy of just listening to it's not like that at all. And by the way, a lot of people don't realize that um, a listener is actually a co-creator. Hmm. Music never exists until someone listens to it. Hmm. It exists as a potential on a piece of paper or on this CD. But in order for music to be in this world, it has to be heard. Yeah. Then it does something, something good. It changes someone, someone, someone's life. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it may. Mm -hmm. Somebody will just put it on and, and do homework or do housework or do whatever. And it will go over their heads just like a wallpaper and they would not even notice it. Mm -hmm. But somebody will. And you never know who it's going to be and you have no idea whether it's going to save someone's life. But I mm -hmm. hate to be over dramatic, but it may do exactly that. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a beautiful sentiment. Thank you for sharing that. Um, and then the last question I really have right now, or two last questions, are uh, I've, I've asked you to think about a piece of music that you might uh, consider sharing with us after this is over. So uh, have you thought of one? Oh, that's just like we were talking I about know. kids. Which one is your I favorite? Know. Well, okay, I will kind of make it easy for myself, first <laughs> of all. Uh, there's a piece of music which I never thought uh, is anything special until I started receiving fan mail and realized that this song became special for so many people. And today I think it, it has a good message, especially in today's environment. I always thought that no one is an island. We're all connected. And uh, it's impossible, you know, a lot of people think of, of their achievement, achievements um, is, is something, oh, I did it on my own, you know, I, I own it. And, but uh, any achievement is enabled by, by people who love you. Mm -hmm. Uh, or people who you don't even know. Mm -hmm. You know, you go to Starbucks and there's a barista gives you coffee or something, mm -hmm. but you talk to her a little bit. And yeah, it it may seem like totally, uh, what would be the word? Uh, unimportant mm -hmm. event. Mm -hmm. But at the end, it creates something. I call it a tribe. People always meant to live in tribes never by themselves, never compete with each other. Mm -hmm. With a tribe, you know, you, you help someone and you, you better believe that this, someone is going to help you. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to be like very kind of, I don't know the word, you know, like formal in this way and say that it's all about survival. Um, no, but it's all about uh, life and the, the way of living is actually loving. Mm -hmm. And uh, we're just really 
we are all in the same boat and we're all part of exact same thing. And uh, we together mm -hmm. are beautiful. Mm -hmm. Every individual is beautiful, but the tribe, I think this sense of unity is a very important thing, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. And uh, so the song we we're talking about, the song which I thought was just okay song. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's called We, and I composed it for my album uh, called Ten Pebbles. Um, yeah, it's it, that's a song about people being together, whether it's two people uh -huh. or ten people or 320 million people <laughs> like in the United States. It's we, it's not you and me or you or me yeah. or me and they. It's not like that. It's us. Yes. It's we, yeah. you know, so that's... Oh, man, that's so cool. Thank you so much for sharing that and for telling us about, uh, you know, why, why you selected that today. So thank you, Kostia. And uh, where can we find out more information on you? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. I have no idea because <laughs> I'm the most disorganized person you will ever meet. <laughs> a musician disorganized? I don't know. Oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> Never. <laughs> no. Uh, you've got a website though. Uh, I've heard that I have a website. <laughs> Uh, no, yeah, you I, do. You have. You have I some do. Good I do. Uh, I haven't been on it for a couple of years or so. <laughs> so, well, yeah, you can find some information on, on my website, yeah. costimusic.com. Yeah, and that's K O S T I A. Music.com. It's one, one word, yes. costimusic.com. Um, I mean, there's some biographies uh, yeah. on internet you can find. There's something on my website, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, We're getting there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. But uh, yeah, and you've uh, and you do some things on social media too. You do. You're you're getting there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned social media. I figured I, I figured out how to um, shield myself. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm hitting things over here all the time. Um, <laughs> how to shield myself from all this horrible things yeah. which you know we're all bombarded by. Right. by. I joined uh, groups yeah. on, on Facebook and it's all about art. So all okay. I'm getting in my in my feed is art. That's a much better place oh, to be. Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm like, great. I, I love going on Facebook <laughs> because I see Van Gogh, I see Gauguin, I see Rembrandt. <laughs> That's perfect. Then you're using uh, it the right way. Yeah. Good. Then you're not pulling your hair out trying to trying to figure it out. Yeah. And then um, any last thoughts? Any anything else that you would like to share on this podcast episode that we didn't get to? We covered uh, a lot of ground, obviously. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, here's a thought, and you know, totally unrelated, but speaking of beauty, uh, I love to travel. Yeah. And uh, actually, sometimes, several times already in the United States, I was just jump to my car and go places and, and drive. You know. Yeah. I think 1999, 22 years ago, when my brother visited, we put like 15,000 miles on my car. We drove around the United States, Western United States. What I would recommend to anyone thought, we should discover this country because this country has so much to offer and there's so much splendor and absolutely amazing beauty. would never suspect uh, it is there until you would visit something, mm -hmm. uh, some places. Um, you don't have to go very far sometimes, sometimes you do, right. but uh, I, would, I would say jump in your car if you have a couple weeks vacation and just go somewhere mm -hmm. and meet other people and, and see different places and appreciate the, the beauty of creation, if you will. Mm -hmm. You know, there's just, so everyone talks about God and, and, uh, and it's important, but I think people just forget that the world mm -hmm. is just has so much incredible beauty mm -hmm. and all we have to do to let it into our hearts mm -hmm. but we have to see it first yes, yeah. so yeah. jump in your car and go, go and see something yes very well said. Thank you so much. I'm, I knew you were going to have some great advice for yeah. us. So <laughs> I'm so glad you could do this today. Well, thank you for yeah. having me, Allison. I really appreciate yeah. that. Yes, absolutely. And Kostia is short for Constantine. Um, Good luck spelling it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, 
I won't try and do this, but, um, but yes, most people call you Costia. Yes. Yes. As you said earlier, it's like uh, Jim to James or something. Yes, yeah. 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 That's exactly right. So thank you for being here today, Costia. Thank you, Alison. Thank you so much. And uh, we will go out uh, to your to your piece of music called We and uh, have a great rest of your day. Thank you. This episode's featured patrons are Dave and Kathy Zabler of Greenfield, Wisconsin. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you'll leave ratings and reviews for us wherever you're listening from. Visit themusiciansventure.com for more information on upcoming guests, show notes, and ways to send us your topic suggestions. 
The Musicians Venture Podcast is hosted by Allison M., recorded at Podcast Town in Wauwatosa, Wisconsin, produced by Shannon Coulard, with theme music written and performed by Mike Neumeyer. Thanks again.